Well, hello and welcome to 360's HR Tech Chat. I'm Jennifer Dole and super excited today to be here with Alex Furman from Performica. Alex, give a, a hello and why don't you begin by telling us about your career path because it is not a ladder, it is a lattice of lots of different experiences. Yeah, absolutely. So, hello. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for having me for having me here, and 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 hi everybody who's watching us. So, my name is Alex Inovis. I started my career in software engineering, and I spent the first chunk of it in fintech. I was building various trading applications, like algorithmic trading applications of various sorts. Then I had my quarter life crisis, realized that life is short and a moving quarter up. life crisis. <laughs> I love it. it was, yeah, very much so. And I think at the ripe old age of 25, I realized that life is short and that moving other people's money around doesn't inspire me. Landed, I landed as a software engineering leader in biotech and through a sequence of highly unlikely events, wound up co-founding a company called Indite that took off and uh, we we started in Vita in something like 2010. We took it public in 2015. And right before taking it public, HR landed on my lap. Uh, again, in a, very, in a very unexpected way. Well, what was happening is we, as a company, we were crushing. So our product development was going great. Our technology was working. Our commercial traction was wonderful. We were talking to investment bankers planning our IPO. So by any reasonable business metric, it, it seemed like we were winning. But what I saw from the inside was that we're organizationally, we're tearing ourselves apart. That was the year we went from something like 20 people to over 200 people. We were continuing to grow rapidly and we spent the next few years doubling in size every time decisions weren't being made politics were emerging and mm -hmm. i i personally and we as a founding team realized that this is an existential threat like we're we're actually at this point like we might mess it all up and again Unexpectedly, I wound up stepping in in what I thought was a temporary way. I thought I was going to step in, manage a company out of a crisis. I'm pretty good in a crisis. And then hire a professional, hand it off to a professional, and ride off into the sunset and go back to software engineering and bioinformatics. And that never happened. I fell in love with a role, and I fell in love with a people space. Well, what and I think is incredible about that, Alex, is that the the you and the other founders thought so highly of the position that you wanted to step into it. You knew the value, you knew the contribution that HR was going to make to the organization and you wanted to focus on it. Well, so we it's were... not like drawing the short straw, right? <laughs> you drew the long straw and got the great opportunity. Absolutely. And, and, and again, and it was career changing. And in some ways, it's like certainly career changing. And I think in many ways, life changing, unexpectedly so. And to not to take too much credit, we were, in, it was less about this wonderful foresight that we had about the importance of a role and more, I think that we were just scared into it. Mm. Like, like the company, like the company really was tearing itself apart. Yeah, and you were the and, brave one. <laughs> and 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 
and we decided that like one of us needs to do it that mm -hmm. we can't we can't expect an outsider to come in and and help us get off a burning platform that at least temporarily one of the founders needs to take a role and and again and it became me so i went from leading software engineering and bioinformatics and now being like the hr executive at a publicly traded company uh, had somebody told me that would happen to me, I would have laughed in their face, but here we are. And it was right? one of the and, that and your career story is not over yet. You still have more to tell about yeah. um, what happened once you became the head of people in HR. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I spent the first few quarters, really, maybe about a year, again, just managing us out of a crisis. And then by the time the fires were put out and we, we successfully went public, I and I decided that you know what I'm keeping this role. I'm not going anywhere. I love this space. There's so much to do. I started looking around for the right set of tools to enable me to do a good job. And to my amazement, I found this critical gap, uh, which is that all of the tools on the marketplace and and we started this from the 360 degree review and feedback angle, but generally speaking. It, it, it blew me away that all of the tools in the marketplace were very, very org charty on how they were set up. Like the fundamental underlying structure in, by, by which all of the data is organized, all of the functionality is organized, our corporate silos, who reports to whom, uh, business units, that sort of thing. And it was very, very obvious to me that that wasn't how work was getting done. Uh, certainly not an NVT. And then I started looking around more broadly and it became really clear that, that, that that's not how work gets done in these fast moving innovative companies. All of the interesting stuff is cross-functional. Much of it is actually informal. And the types of things that I really, really cared about uh, innovation, decision-making, mm -hmm. and so on. They were, they were attrition even. All of these things were happening in networks that were, were orthogonal to the reporting structure. Yep. And I wanted to see those, and, and I couldn't find anything that would let me see those. So we built it ourselves. You built your own. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And, and so you are in HR, you're building your own tools um, for your particular needs, really focused on this kind of dynamic teaming environment that you had, and what happened? Well, so the first thing that happened, uh, again, is I asked a team of engineers to look at how work actually is getting done. So what they did is they went and they, uh, they looked at our calendar system, our email system, Slack on one hand, and a bunch of a collaboration tools, so salesforce.com and GitHub and so on. On the other end, took the metadata out of those. Importantly, we didn't then, and we still don't look at like, the contents of people's emails and that sort of thing. That would be kind of creepy in my book. But <laughs> they, they took the metadata, so who is spending time with who, who is emailing who, who is tagging, like mm -hmm. who participates in the same Slack channel, who checks and code into the same repositories. And, and the first thing I asked for, the first thing the team came back with was a real-time representation of the company as a social graph. Mm. The first time I saw that, so like who the actual key nodes are, right? Who are the people that around whom the company is organized for real? The first time I saw that, I, I didn't believe it. Mm. 
Really? Like, like my reaction was literally like, this is wrong. There must be a bug in the code. Go find me a bug. Because it turned out that about half of the most important people or just under half of the most important people in the organization weren't the people I was expecting to see. Really? And in some cases, these are people whose names I didn't know. And I, and I didn't believe it. Yeah. And then when the team came back to me and said, you know what, Alex, there is no bug. Like, it is what it is. This is correct. And I started having the conversations and, and like validating the data for all intents and purposes. Yep. It turned out that like these indeed were some of the most important people. They were just quietly important. They were what we now call like the, the stealth leaders, the stealth top performers. Mm -hmm. So those it's immediately around- the on the org chart, right? Correct. And not only were they not the leaders of the org chart, a lot of the time this was, these, were, these were people who like, I didn't know about because they weren't self-promoting. So the people immediately around them went to them for advice, went to them for mentorship, went to them for guidance, went to them to get things done. But, but that happened quietly and neither me nor the rest of my executive team like knew their names. And when we did, I thought of them as like the quiet engineers or the quiet scientists. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's, and, and very, very importantly, and this was a painful lesson for me in many ways, like that quiet group was mostly not made up of uh, tall, straight white guys. Yeah. And we were, and we were systematically not noticing and systematically underappreciating like just how wonderful these people were and just how important they were to the organization. And just seeing that and, and using that to start like promoting and trading and fairly compensating, like just that was game changing. Game changing. And also taught me like a valuable and painful lessons about my own biases. Because yeah. of course I don't think of myself as a biased person and I like I believe in all the right all the good things. Right. And, and 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 I was a part of the problem before before I saw like what was actually happening. I was very much a part of the problem. Well this hierarchy is the problem, right? And making decisions based on org charts is the problem. Yeah. Right? And a lot of and again, that information on how work actually gets done and it's different than what you thought. Yeah. And, and we now have, or I now have years of experience of looking at this first as a head of people at, at my previous company, now helping Performica's customers navigate their own challenges. And we... Like our assumptions are, are in many ways routinely wrong about what matters and who matters and, and, and how work happens in our very own organizations. And right. So before we, before we get to what Performica does, close that question on the career because you're the CHRO, you're using this tool and, and what happens to your career? So starting, so basically starting with this point that I just described, where, where I look at the data and I realize that it's like A, correct, B, critical, and C, like critically important, I started thinking about productizing this. So I, I, I realized that like, oh, wow, wow we're, we're onto something. This is kind of a big deal. And as a, and, and as a head of people at Anite, I invited a couple of friendly organizations to like try out these tools and see if they work for them. I didn't know if this was like idiosyncratic to my org or something that will actually generalize. 
and it did, right? It, it, like those, those experiments were very successful. Mm. And which led me earlier this year to work with the rest of my management team and the Mites board of directors on basically on spinning up the technology. It became really clear that this is a much bigger story than just a, than an internal tool. And to do it justice and to really do a good job here, it needs to be an independent company with its own financing that is basically focusing on justice. So earlier this year, we spawned the technology out of Invitae and Vitae became a customer. We signed a couple more customers and we're, and we're now developing Performica as a, as a standalone, as a standalone entity, as a standalone organization. An incredible career path for you and an exciting journey. And I, I love this kind of innovation and change and experimentation that you kind of characterizes your career. Thank you. I, it has been, it's been interesting. Most of the things I planned in my career never happened. And most <laughs> of the interesting things that happened were entirely unplanned. And I think that's just a pattern in my life. I think there it is, right? I think you just can't plan for these things. You just have to to follow your own path, right? Yeah. So, so Performica, it's you're now leading um, this company and you've got customers. And tell us about Performica. So again, Performica was born out of this realization that many of the things that we really, really care about from the HR perspective, but frankly, from like running, like managing organi organizations perspective, again, they happen in networks, not org charts. Yep. So the Performica, like the underlying layer to our technology is, is the Performica org graph. And we build the org graph again by looking at a bunch of these internal systems in a very, very privacy conscious way. I can talk about this. I can I can talk about this for hours. <laughs> and then once we have the org graph, there's a number of things that we can do with it. One of the, the module that I'm incredibly excited right now has to do with managing attrition. Mm. So it turned out that once when you look at the dynamics of attrition in the organization longitudinally, it turns out that this concept of attrition contagion is incredibly predictive. That, that basically people, and especially strong people, follow each other out. Mm -hmm. And we kind of know this, we have decent data on this about managers leaving. So we know that when my manager leaves, I am now much more likely to leave uh, especially if I'm a high-performing employee because, because they're going to recruit me over to wherever yep. they want and because I had a sense of safety and I could rely on a good review and I can't anymore and I don't know what's going to happen. And generally speaking, we kind of know this. We have good data about this. Now, it turns out when we started looking at the org graph over time, it turns out that exactly the same thing happens with your strong cross-functional ties. So when my buddy and my partner in FP&A, who I launch products together with, my buddy in marketing, when they leave, it has exactly the same effect on me. Again, partially because they like working with me and they'll try yeah. to recruit me over. Presumably, I'm doing a good job here. Right? Partially because, again, I lost a partner. I lost a sense of safety. This might be a good time to look at my LinkedIn profile or maybe pick up a phone or answer that email from a recruiter. And, and, and it turns out that this cross-functional effect, the strength 
Like the predictive strength of a single event is a little is somewhat weaker than the manager leaving. But we only have one manager and we have a whole bunch of these closed right. functional relations. So the cumulative effect of those is really what drives attrition and especially what drives attrition among the high performing section of the company. It's your good people who follow each other out. Yep. yep. And, 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 and once you know this, you can, we can, what, what we offer our customers is a way to deal with us in real time, to kind of catch that domino, the second domino before the rest of them falls. So when, when somebody resigns, we know exactly who is now at risk and we can walk their managers through a like best practices driven workflow on how to retain them wow. doing like many of the things we all kind of know we should be doing, but yeah. most of the time never get to, especially when it comes to following up later. Yeah. And you're hitting on those moments that matter, yeah. right? With action at the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like looking at, like looking at predicting attrition is something that many people have been trying to do over the years. Like it actually kind of is the, typically tends to be the first question asked of like a newly formed people analytics organization. Mm-hmm. But, but, but it turned out that without looking at those relationships and without the ability to look at these cross-functional interactions in real time, we, we don't have the most predictive variables that really allow us to intervene on time. And if you have the Performica word graph, you can. And, and again, it's a... It, it, it was it was a it was a breakthrough when we discovered it yeah and and, and something that I'm really excited about building out in the, at the moment yeah I mean just listening to this story Alex you've hit on a couple key points that I think organizations are struggling with right now right with the diversity equity and inclusion and who are those quiet leaders yeah. um, with retention of those high performing quiet leaders and others. Um, you know, I think about one of the other things that organizations are struggling with right now in kind of a looming difficult economic situation is restructuring. And, um, you know, do you see a use case for Performica in helping organizations either through restructuring or post restructuring? Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're in the middle. So we're, we're with one of our customers, we're working through this as we speak. And, and, and again, the, the implications of seeing the orograph and knowing the orograph are incredibly powerful. So for, for a customer of ours who just did, unfortunately, shut down a line of business and have to, mm-hmm. and, and, and have to lay off a number of people, what we did for them was we identified the out, out of the group that stayed, we helped them quickly identify who the most influential individuals are. Again, mm-hmm. about half of them they knew about and thought of as capital L leaders before Performica, but about half were surprises. Happens yeah. every time. Right. And 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 knowing who these internal influencers are lets management basically work through them to get the right feedback, they're seen as leaders for a reason. And especially the quiet leaders are seen as quiet leaders for a reason because nobody designated them for that role. (laughs) So they provide some of the best feedback, but they're also able to help stabilize the organization because again, they're influential. People trust them. People trust their opinions. So they can both drive the the kind of change that's needed to stabilize uh, and also guide it. 
Yeah. We've also helped them identify the what, who we call the orphans, right? The, the people who are the last remaining person on the team. Orphans, yes. The people who lost many of their colleagues and are frankly in a really tough spot. I've been in that situation a couple of times when I survived layoffs in previous lives. Mm -hmm. where you lost all your friends. Many times you lost your manager. You're probably the last person who is left holding up the work of a team. And, and, and these are the people who tend to be overwhelmed and who tend to be demoralized and who really need help like reintegrating as quickly as possible. And again, with Performer Cosorograph, we can identify those individuals and help their managers, oftentimes their new managers, keep them because again, losing those people is incredibly painful because yeah. oftentimes they are like the last person with a certain bunch of institutional knowledge or like the last person who is performing some key workflow and when they leave it's a disaster and and again in a very very structured and guided way our customers can make sure to retain these people who they want to retain and then lastly and this is a part this is actually the part that I'm most excited about is we've, we can help our customers identify the people who are very well positioned to step into the organizational gaps that just opened up. Okay. So, wow. <laughs> so, Tell me so, about that, because so, I haven't yeah, heard that yet. So again, and this is, you can kind of think of this as, as, the, as, as, as the true bench strength, right? The, mm -hmm. the second tier leaders who just lost some of the people around them that yep. were making critical workflows run and making the organization tick and so on. And these are the people who can step into those gaps now and who can, on one hand, are very, very well positioned to expand their influence and expand their impact and grow in their career. But on the other hand, they're very, very likely to burn out and, and need support in, again, plugging these critical holes that just opened up in an organization. And, and look, again, I can, I can talk about this for hours too, and we're just scratching the surface, but certainly from my experience with, with me and my role, but also with Performica's customers now, like this kind of data is critical, critical, critical to a successful restructuring. And in some ways, it, like we're, we'd be crazy not to take advantage of it. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, you can't wait for the restructuring event to happen to bring in Performica. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and there's things that you can learn before that, right? As we've talked about with DE and I and retention, but certainly having this in place before can help you manage through. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So you're not in the headlines. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The 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 more you know, the better you will do. And again, we have routinely as, as, as executives and larger companies where we don't see everybody's work and we don't even know everybody by name anymore. We routinely have a skewed, like a systematically skewed perspective of how work gets done and, and, and who contributes what to, to the output of, uh, to the organizational output. And, and we make bad, and we start with bad data and we, we do our best, but we make bad decisions. Yep. Or and decisions. With better decisions, better data, better decisions, and you can use this technology to be more human.
yeah, you can you can use this technology to be more human. You can use this technology to be more fair. Uh, again, when and I and we've all or many of us have had this experience. Like I've had this experience a number of times where I survived a round of layoff at at at, at a previous employer, and I saw the wrong people get fired and the wrong people stay. And and we're we're very like as human beings, we're incredibly sensitive to unfairness. Yes. When unfair decisions are being made, like we know, we notice our employees notice, and the not on, like not only there. So there's this knockdown effect, right? When we fire the wrong people, not only did we just lose valuable contributors who are no longer contributing, and 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 just like not having them as both like unfair to the individual and 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 not great for the business but the knockdown effects of that on the culture and and on everybody's morale are sort of difficult to measure but they're staggering they add up and the closer we get to making more fair decisions and more rational decisions the the sort of the second order benefits to the organization are equally massive yeah so Alex, why don't more people use organizational network analysis to help them with these decisions? You know, I don't know, Jennifer. I again, it took me by like when I when I got the head of people role, I wasn't expecting to build HR software. Right, like <laughs> I, I got the head of people role at a biotech company. We were in clinical genetics. We were going fast. I went into it with the expectation that I will find the right tools out in the marketplace and I will assemble my stack of technology and, and, and go on and do my job. And it actually kind of blew me away that this wasn't available. Mm -hmm. uh, and seeing that we started experimenting and the experiments are successful and here we are. I think that it's, it's unfair to say that this sort of thing is not out there. This sort of thing is out there. And many of the big consultancies routinely do this kind of analysis mm -hmm. uh, to help companies uh, recover from restructuring or reorgs or changes of control. Uh, during M&A and integration, uh, you can totally, if you're buying a company, you can totally write a like multi-million dollar check to a McKinsey or a Bain or a BCG or, and, and they will help you with this sort of thing and mm -hmm. do a great job. But what I, what, what isn't really out there broadly, again, initially to my amazement, and now this is kind of both the opportunity and the mission we're pursuing as Performica, is a way for companies to do this routinely on the background, not as some high dollar value consulting engagement at a like designated difficult or critical time, but really all the time. Right. And again, our experience and the experience of our of our early customers is that like doing this changes the game and it and it changes the companies to the better. And and this is both it's it's kind of too bad that it's not out there already on one hand but on the other hand again this is this is like a wonderful opportunity for us that we're that performica the organization is pursuing and it sure that is. I'm incredibly it sure excited is. and and you know democratizing access to this type of analysis um for decisions this is the right time yeah yeah absolutely and and, and again the there's it's good for the business. The 
the bias angle, the sort of Sorry, I'm blanking up. Uh, at least okay. got this out. At least got this out afterwards. But 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 the sheer fact that that having access to this data and having access to this tool like really allows us to see the types of people in our organizations that we would otherwise like with the best intentions, but routinely and systematically overlook. Like that as of itself is like incredibly inspiring to me. Yeah. I mean, just so in such a short period of time, you've told us not only about your wonderful career path, but you've given examples of three really important use cases, DE&I, retention, restructuring. I mean, this is just the time to use this type of data to make good decisions and you know, balance the efficiency with, with the empathy using this data to be more human. I mean, that's just, that's what I'm hearing. So you're just getting started. Um, it's an exciting time for you and your team. And um, as we're coming to close here, is there anything else that you want people to know about Performica? Uh, I don't know. I think I think we, we, we covered most of it. I mean, it's worth mentioning that, that it, it, at the very tail end of 2022, like I think literally in the last week of December, we did close around the financing from a wonderful group of investors. Congratulations. Uh, so we're, as an organization, we're looking to grow and expand in the coming years as we continue building out our technology and we continue building out our services. And in, in, in many, many ways, we kind of, I feel like we've talked about the big themes, but I also feel really strongly that we're 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 just we're barely scratching the surface mm. on the on the possibilities here. And maybe I'll leave you with this analogy. And this is something that I've been thinking about a lot over the past while. So imagine I, I have a t-shirt printing business and I want to sell you a t-shirt. By the time you're seeing my ad, a bunch of incredibly sophisticated things happen, right? I know who you are. I know what music you listen to. I know what influencers influence you. I probably paid one of them to wear my t-shirt or, or write a review. Many of these things are creepy, by the way, right? So so, so again, this is, like, think of this as a partial, partial analogy. Okay. But if I want to send you a $20 t-shirt, I am doing all of these things that are incredibly sophisticated mm -hmm. and wind up with a very, very personalized approach to you. Uh, before all of this, the way I try to sell you a t-shirt is I take an ad on the yellow pages, I'd maybe take out an ad in a newspaper or send you spam on a dead tree, like you and everybody else in your, in your neighborhood. And that was really, really inefficient and we stopped doing it because it's stupid. Now your the lifetime value of a buyer of t-shirts is like, oh, I don't know, a hundred bucks because maybe you'll buy like three, four t-shirts from me and maybe the t-shirts are expensive. Now, if you think about it in, a, in, a, in, in an organization of any appreciable size, like the lifetime value of a high-performing salesperson, of a high-performing software engineer, of a high-performing marketing, like whoever it is, like is measured on hundreds of thousands and often millions of dollars. And, and as corporate America, like how do we talk to our employees? We send out company-wide memos that nobody reads. Like we post things on intranets that nobody goes to. I know this because I was responsible for an intranet and I measured, right? Like whether or not anybody goes there, yeah. we don't. 
we fit too, we try to fit in too much into all hands meetings that happen too rarely and are too expensive. So, and nobody retains anything. And we know this because we measure this. And in, in general, we're doing the equivalent of sending spam on dead trees with stamps on it and taking out ads on the yellow pages. And that is insane. Now, there's a, there's a really interesting ethics and privacy angle to this that I don't think we have time to go into. And right. it's very, very important to do all of these things in a way that is transparent and honest and where everybody is comfortable. And we have years of experience here. But you can do things to make sure that your approach to your people is personalized. And, and, and paradoxically, in this high-tech way, you do wind up being much more human together. And, and again, it makes for a different dynamic, a different culture, a different company, and I'm much better on it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that analogy because, you know, as consumers, we expect a personalized experience. Yeah. And the same technology can help us have a personalized experience as an employee. Absolutely. Right. And it's beyond, um, it's just making it feel like it's connected. Yeah. So, well, Alex, thank you for your time today. I loved this fast conversation where we packed a lot in. Um, certainly, you know, people can follow up um, and learn more about Performica on your website or through connecting with you on LinkedIn. Um so, yeah, or just or just send me an email, Alex at Performica. I can talk about this <laughs> for as long as you want. Yeah, I think there's a couple of follow-up items that people would be interested in um, learning more about how it works. So thank you for sharing your email. And again, thank you so much. This was great. And we'll thank talk you so to much, you Jennifer. soon. All talk right. Soon. All right. Bye.